most of the chains you have on your life are self-imposed. It's not about what everybody else is doing to you. It's what we do to ourselves. And I want to talk today about what I call the crazy, amazing power of letting go. I've been sharing with you a series of messages that I've titled God's Amazing Crazy Plan. And uh, today I want to talk about something that I think is, is perhaps, okay, it maybe is the most important message. Now, you probably heard this from other preachers and pastors and maybe even priests, but like this, what I got to talk to you about today, it is like, it is at the very heart of what it means to follow Christ. And what I have to say to you will make your life so much better. You know, I just, uh, I go through this routine, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I sharing with you um, the message, who are you? And I just, you know, we come to church and it's just, I really, when I share God's word, I really do feel like it's, it's the most important thing of the moment, but this message is really in many ways the most important message for your life. People have asked me, now that you've, uh, you know, been in ministry all these years, I was pastor of a huge church and you know what? Uh, what would you do differently? And what I'm what I'm going to talk to you about today is the one thing I would have done differently because it would have made for a much better ministry for me and more life for others. Let's pray, Heavenly Father. Thank you for today. Thank you for all these people who gather here in your name, but also in the name of this church. One, we're going to be celebrating eight years, a birthday next week, and uh, we just believe that you're going to speak to us as we share your word. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Has anyone here ever been angry? You ever been, like, upset about something? How how many of you have been angry at least once in your life? Well, I, I was angry one time. What? Uh, I, I was angry one time, and Marilyn, <laughs> yeah, Marilyn says, <laughs> I was angry this morning. How many, of you, how many of you were angry this morning? Oh, that's great, you know, some of you aren't going to admit it. How many of you have had a family fight in the car on the way to church? <laughs> not, necessarily, not necessarily today, but at least once. You've had sort of an argument on the way, and then you come into church, you hypocrites, and you just put on a nice face and you say, well, praise Jesus. And say, people say, how are you doing? You say, praise the Lord, you know. And then, you know, you, if church is over and you resume the argument on the way home. How many of you have done that? Come on, come on, come on. Now, did you know that pastors do that too once in a while? Did you know, can, once, can you imagine that? Can you imagine? I have a, a little disagreement with my wife on the way to church. You're talking about being a hypocrite. Then i gotta come on. I got to come up here on the platform and share God's word with you. Well, um, you know, my, well, my wife and I, Marilyn and I, have been married for 42 years. Did I get it right? 43. I'm losing count, man. I have a mild form of Alzheimer's. Um, old timers, you know, kind of sounds like Alzheimer's. Anyway, um, we've been married 43 years. We were married in 1971. Same year we graduated from college. And 
uh, we, ha- we have not had a perfect marriage. There is no such thing. We've had irreconcilable differences. You know, people get a divorce over irreconcilable differences. Hello, every marriage has irreconcilable differences. <laughs> is he married? And his wife is next to him? Yeah, she's not the irreconcilable difference, bro. You're the irreconcilable difference. All right. <laughs> so we were having, Marilyn and, I, Marilyn and I were just having a difficult time, and I usually have more of a difficult time than she does. There's more drama in my life. Usually every couple has one person that's got a lot of drama, you know, and the other person is like, has to live with the drama. And uh, so, so anyway, you know, we were just, I was just really upset. And um, it really wasn't over much, but it was enough to be really upset. Does that make sense? should, because you're the same way. And uh, I just, I called my friend Al. Al's been a, a colleague and a friend for years. We've written a book together called Leaders at Last. And um, I said, Al, you know, this was in the evening. I said, Marilyn, I just, uh, I'm just having some real issues. I'm having issues. Uh, can we talk to you? And he's a professional counselor, and, but we're just friends. And so he said, why don't you come on over? We didn't live too far away. We're just a few blocks away. And so we actually went over to their house and just sat down. And I went, I went through all the issues. You know, Marilyn didn't have a lot to say, but I had, you know, I had, I had notes, fill in the blanks. And, uh, and, and so, you know, after, you know, the first maybe 15, 10, 15 minutes of just sharing, Al, Al said to me, he said, hey, Gary, um, I just want to talk to you outside for a second. And that, that's never a good thing. Okay, and uh, and uh, we got out, out onto his front porch, and he just he put his hand on my chest, and he does that, and I hate it. And he just put his hand on my chest and said, he said, Brother, you're going to just have to let this go. And, I, you know, I felt, I felt more anger, but I also felt this sense of peace. It, was, it wasn't about getting things in our marriage the way I thought they should be. It was about me just letting go and just trusting God. And we moved on. Couldn't even tell you what the issue was. Tell the person next to you, let it go. Just go ahead, just tell them. Uh, Some of you look, you look, you're kind of stressed here, Uh, you know, you're wearing matching colors this morning. I don't know if you worked that out, but there's some other things that aren't matching here, Natasha. Okay, just tell the person next to you. Just kind of just look at them and tell them firmly, let it go. You know what the most popular song in America is right now? Okay, this is what I've come to call the sacred art of letting go. And I believe it is perhaps, and I said this before I began to speak formally here, that it is perhaps the most, the single most important thing we can learn in life. It's the essence of faith, what Brennan Manning, author Brennan Manning, calls ruthless trust in God. It's embedded in the principal symbol of the Christian faith, the cross. I suspect that some of you are wearing a cross today. 
And uh, all of us have one. I, I've got a cross I, I bought in Turkey when I was there visiting some of the ancient biblical sites. Uh, I bought it, you know, from a Muslim. Kind of crazy. Uh, a silver cross. And as, as much as anything, the cross is about letting go. Because when you're nailed there, it's really hard to hold on to anything. Except maybe every breath you're trying to breathe in the agony of your impending death. Jesus is our example. And I've got a couple things, you know, there are some notes, fill in the blanks here. There are some notes for you to follow along. Jesus is our example. Number one, he let go. He let go when he was born, when God became flesh. All right? Look at Philippians chapter Look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 6. Um, now, before, just before I read this, and you can put it on the screen, that's fine. But before I read this, I, I want to say this. For most of us Christian believers, most of the time when we think of the cross, we think about Jesus dying there for us, what he did for us. He gave his life for you and me. We think about what, what has been called the salvific element of the cross, the thing that saves us. But in the New Testament, there is a broad theology of the cross. I've even written a book about this. You know, what happened at the cross, what the cross means. I called it experiencing the power of the cross. And what we're going to read here is about the cross, but not in the sense that Jesus died there for our sins, but what the cross is supposed to do for us as we embrace it, Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, what are, you, what are you supposed to do if you follow Jesus? What are you supposed to do? What does he say? If, if you're going to follow me, you have to what? Take up your cross. Now, what does that mean? Okay, look at Philippians chapter, uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 6. Your attitude. Okay. Anybody here ever have an attitude? Okay, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Now, what kind of attitude did Jesus have? Oh, he was part of the Trinity. He was God eternal. He was with the Father. Uh, it says in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and then the Word became flesh. And it says, we're to have the same attitude, who being in very nature God. Okay, now, did Jesus have any rights? This is another way to put it, being very nature God. He could pretty much do whatever he wants. If you're God, you can pretty much do whatever you want, right? Now, the problem is all of us think we're God, at least once in a while. And so it's up to us. We can do whatever we want. In fact, people love to say this. It's a free country. I can do whatever I want. Okay. So uh, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in, the, in very nature God, did not consider equality with God Something to be what? What, is the, what does it say? Something to be what? Grasped. Held on to. What's the opposite of grasping something? Letting go. Okay. This equality with God. He didn't hold on to this. Okay, he let it go. Instead, he made himself nothing. This is the cross at work. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death. And what are the last five words? Even death on a cross. Okay. 
There's nothing here about how we get saved. There's nothing here about the forgiveness of sins. It's about attitudes. In every instance when I have an attitude, I have to put this I have to put the cross aside. Because I talked about this a little last week about Esther. And when, she, when they first came to her and said, you're going to have to go into the king and make an appeal to the Jewish people, her first response was, are you kidding me? I can't do that. He'll kill me. That's our first response. It's everybody's response. It wasn't the response of Jesus. He emptied himself. This is called uh, the doctrine of the kenosis. That's the Greek word there. It means emptying. He, he emptied himself. He let, him, he let himself go. So Jesus is our example in this, okay? And it's inherent in the symbol of the cross. You know, we work, the cross is a very beautiful thing, but we, we just blow right by what it really means to wear it, to bear it, to take it up. You know, Jesus was executed on the cross in a most horrific sort of way. You know, during the, you know, during the French Revolution, they, they used the guillotine. You know, the guillotine is a huge, giant razor blade, and you put your head in there, and the thing comes falling down. And, you know, have you ever heard, you ever heard this expression, heads are going to roll? Have you ever heard that expression? That's a, that's a reference to the guillotine. Heads are going to roll. We're going to cut your head off. So the heads would roll. You know, so it's a, that, that, that's like the cross. It's a symbol of execution. So, you know, maybe, you know, we, we're Christians just to kind of think this through a little bit more. Instead of wearing crosses, we should wear little guillotines, you know. And people would say, what is that? Well, it's, you know, it's for cutting, cutting heads off, you know. And, and, you know, you could have a little guy there with his head. You know, we, we have Jesus on the cross, a crucifix, a guy with, you know, a little body on one side and his head just sitting on the other, you know. Okay, you know, you say, well, this is gross. I mean, I'm trying to get to you. I'm trying to help you with the reality of the cross. Okay? So, um, look at uh, what it says, uh, number two here, my second thing. He, Jesus let go when, when he became flesh. He didn't consider equality with God a thing to be grasped. Number two, he let go when he died on the cross. Okay? This is the ultimate act of surrender to God and, and, and sacrifice. And I'm going to read you a passage here in 1 Peter that I think is just completely, the application of this is completely absent from, I'm going to say completely absent from, from our lives. We, we live in a free country. We're consumers. We want things to go our way. It's all about me. Look what this says. Don't think about the person sitting next to you and the irreconcilable differences you have with them. I just want you to think about yourself as I read this. But how is, it, how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and you endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. Now, listen to what this says. It's not to your credit if you just get really humble and say, my bad, I'm really sorry. You know how hard it is for people to do that even when they have every reason to say, I'm sorry? even if you're like only 23% part of the problem? It's so hard just to say, this was my fault. And I, I was uh, late for a meeting. I was way on the other side of town, the 101. I had a meeting at 
Christ Church of the Valley, and I missed my exit. It's on 67th Avenue, and I just was on the phone or something, and there's 67th Avenue. Get off at 75th Avenue, and I'm even more late. And, and I get off the freeway, and, you know, you can make a right turn on red on most of the freeway exits. Some of them you can't. This one you can. And so I look down, the, you know, I'm looking across the bridge. The light turns red before I get there, and I look down there, and, I, you know, I can't really see any traffic. And I just, I had a sports car at the time. I made it, you know, I made it squealing right turn. And uh, in my rear view mirror, I see flashing lights. And they're, you know, kind of Christmas colors, except no, no green. It's blue and red. And, um, and I'm thinking, oh, man. And the, and the police officer, you know, I pulled into a side, you know, driveway. And he pulled up to me. What's the question? What's the question they ask you when? You roll down your window. They ask for your yeah, yeah. Where's the fire? No, they don't. They're, they're not. They're not sarcastic. Do you know why I pulled you over? And you know, man, man of God that I am. You know, I got a pure heart. I said to him, no. You know, I knew why he pulled me over. I couldn't say to him yes. I'm a, I'm a freaking fool. I should have stopped at the red light fully. I mean, they got cameras now that get you if you if you you know go slowly in a right into a right turn, you'll get a ticket. Why is it so hard? I got two seminary degrees. I've been a pastor for decades, and I can't just say my bad. Now the Bible says if you get a ticket. And you accept it graciously. It's no credit to you. Some of you think, you know, if you're really honest, you, you think, wow, Jesus is really working in my life. No. The Bible says it's no credit to you if you, if you take what you have coming and take responsibility for it. But the Bible adds this. Uh, it says uh, if... Um, if you receive a beating for doing wrong, you know, what, what is it to your credit if you take it well? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, if there's absolutely no reason for what you're going through and you've got every, every reason to object and to call your friend and to tell him what terrible things happened to you at work or in your family and what a victim you are, okay? But if, if you take that well, it says it is commendable before God. Why? To this you were called. You know, you weren't called to be treated unfairly, but you were called to respond to unfair situations like Jesus. How many of you have mastered this? Anybody master this? Okay, look what it says. Okay, to this you were called. Now, again, this is about the cross, but it's not about how you've been saved. It's about how now you continue to be saved from your carnal nature and your reactions and your anger and your frustration and your victimization and all those things. Look what it says. He commit, uh, it says, you were called, to this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Take up your cross. He committed no sin, no deceit was found in his, in his mouth, in other words, 
He didn't consider equality with God to be grasped. He was perfect. If there was ever anyone in the history of the human race that suffered unfairly, it was Jesus. He committed no sin. And when, he, when they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. And when he suffered, he made no threats. And these are, some, I think, some of the most powerful scriptures in all of the Bible. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. In other words, in his heart, he's saying, God, this is in your hands. I can't fix this. I can't change this. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to trust you. This is what, again, what we would call ruthless trust. So hard to let it go. So hard to let it go. And as a type A kind of crazy person, I'm an example of how hard it is to let it go. Look at uh, from the message. Uh, This is the kind of life you've been invited into, the kind of life Christ lived. He suffered everything that came his way so he would know, so you would know that it could be done, so that you, you know it could, it could be done. How, well, how is it done? He suffered everything that came his way. How can you know how to do it? Because you look at Jesus. And how did he do it? This is the master key. He gave it to God. He gave it to God. And sometimes there are things you have to give to God over and over and over and over. Some of you have, have uh, resentment in your heart, unforgiveness in your heart, for people who are dead and in the grave, but they live in your heart right next to Jesus because you haven't let it go. They still control you because you haven't let it go. It says, he suffered everything that came his way so you would know that it could be done and also how to do it step by step. He never did one thing wrong, not once said anything amiss. They called him every name in the book, and he said nothing back. He suffered in silence, content to let God set things right. In the New Testament, Jesus is on the cross, and he shouted. In Luke chapter 23, Jesus shouted. He shouted, Father! I entrust my spirit into your hands. Ruthless trust. And with those words, he breathed his last. It's the old saying, and I think this paragraph is in your notes, let go and and let go and let God. Yet the sacred art of letting go is not the same as giving up. Instead, it's the art of it's the art of giving in, realizing that as much as you'd like to do something about a situation that's driving you crazy or hurting you deeply, you realize that you are helpless. Yet it's that moment of helplessness that has the power or the potential to set you free and change you forever. Simply stated, you're not in control. God is. When Jesus gave his life on the cross, he let it go. Before his crucifixion, he begged the Father in heaven to change the course of his life. He said, God, God, if it be thy will, remove this cup from me. And God was silent. God said no. And Jesus said, okay. 
He did what he could. The rest was up to God. He embraced the sacred art of letting go. In fact, Jesus affirmed and established the sacred art. As Peter tells us, he suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. It couldn't be clearer, and it couldn't be more difficult. Um, Jesus said to the Father, okay, we have four grandkids in Colorado, and they are a constant source of pain and distress for their parents. They're 11, 9, 7, and 5, and oddly enough, they've always been just two years apart. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, we think about them and pray about them daily. That my, my daughter and her husband, they just have a lot of, they have a lot of issues. Um, <clears throat> I mean, they, their marriage is, you know, their marriage is okay, but, but they just have so many pressures in their life. And it just, they had just seemed to have so many things just sort of pop up. And some of the stuff that's happened this last fall, I, I couldn't even, I couldn't even tell you about it. And some of the things that they've had to face with their kids. When we're there, and uh, our, our youngest son's in the Navy. He was in Japan for three years. We went over to uh, visit them, and then, and then my daughter and her husband, they went over to visit Matt and Kate, and we actually stayed with the four kids up there in Colorado for, I don't know, it was like 10 days. We were mom and dad for 10 days, and we came home and went right to our psychiatrist. Um, they're just really active, okay? And, you know... When there's screaming and yelling down the hall, any of you ever had screaming and yelling down the hall? Okay. You know, I, I want to tell you, the dumbest question you can ask when you get down to the end of the hall is, what's going on here? Because you will not get the truth. You'll get like 13% of the truth. You will, you know, and, and when, when, will anybody say, you know, Mom, I was just really being mean to my sister, and I shouldn't have done that. I'm really sorry. Okay, does that ever happen? No. So you finally say, I don't care who's right, who's wrong. I want you, I want all three of you to shut up. You know, I mean, it's not exactly like godly, but you just, you know, you can't take it anymore. And so, and you don't care who's right or who's wrong, just shut up, you know? So uh, I know how that works. And, you know, you just, or, or how many of you have said this? Just say, okay. Just say, okay. You know, that's the hardest. You know, children, thousands of children are dying every day because they said okay. You know, you know if you say okay, it's just going to kill you. You know? Just say okay. Turn to the person next to you and tell them, just say okay. <laughs> you know, some of you are kind of like feeling defensive, and it's just, a, it's just a fun little moment. But you're feeling defensive just to hear somebody say, say okay. I did this in a service once. It was a smaller church like this, and I heard right here, like in the second or third row, some lady was sitting a chair away from some guy. You know, they weren't together, and she leaned to him and said, say okay. And then, and then I don't know, it's kind of like your kids. You say, just say okay, and what do they do? Okay. You know, tell your sister I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, tell them so they can hear you. I'm sorry. You know, you, they can't, like, they're, it kills them. They're going to die. And so this woman said to this guy, to a chair over, two chairs over, just say okay. And then I heard him say, 
kind of loud. I already said it. We're in church. We're in the house of God, okay? It's just a fun little game, okay? But, you know, even those fun little games bring out our carnality. Just say, okay, he didn't do nothing. He just, he, but he, I already said it. I heard him say it real loud, you know, to a stranger. Just say, okay. Try that when somebody cuts you off on, this, on the freeway. Just say, okay. Not a problem, you know. And just holler out your window. Just say, okay. And wave with more than one finger, you know. You know, just say okay. I hear, I hear my daughter saying this to her kids. Just say okay, mommy. And you can see there's something inside that, that just doesn't want to do it. Because it really does kill you. You see, to say okay, you have to die. You have to die inside. You have to put your old nature on the cross. And just die. When the police officer pulls you over and you say, I, I know what I did. And I'm, it, was, it was a mistake. And thank you for pulling me over. <laughs> yeah, how Christian are you? That's what I'm saying, okay? We got a room full of pagans here, all right? Wearing their crosses, but living like the devil. Okay, just say okay. Adults are no different, you know? When I, when I was a senior pastor leading a large church, I had people on my staff. I, you know, I, 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 I had this, this tension with one of my young leaders. He was sitting in my office, and he disagreed with me about something. And it wasn't like the end of the world. It didn't involve some heresy or some you know, false doctrine or some immorality. It was just about a decision that we were making in the church that he disagreed with. And I said to him, he's married, he's got, you know, he's college graduate, he's got children of his own. And I said to him, just say okay. And he said, well, you can decide to do whatever you want. You're the boss. So I did whatever I wanted. I fired him. Not right at that moment, but he could not let it go. And he has never recovered. He's never, he's never had even a, a slice of the, of the kind of ministry that he had when he was serving on our staff. He was really very successful, but there were things in his life he couldn't let it go. He couldn't just trust God. He had to have it his way. Just say okay. Yeah, but the Apostle Paul uh, learned the sacred art of letting go. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, look at it, it says, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Actually, this is a real cool verse. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. My, my brother, he was a teacher for a number of years. And uh, any, do you have any school teachers here? You know, and you correct the kids. And what's the last word? Whatever. So my brother made a big sign, a big banner with a computer, hung it up in the front of the room. It said, whatever means teacher wins. This thing is 
kind of driving me crazy. Let it go, Gary. No, I'm not going to let it go. Okay. I'm going to call my lawyer, find out what company made this. Okay. So, let it go. I know. Okay. So, Paul says, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret. This is the secret art of letting go. The secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. And as Paul is writing this, he is in a dungeon. He's in prison, in a Roman prison. And then he says, probably one of the most famous things in the Bible, I can do, say it with me, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Um, Jesus said it this way, can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? How many of you have worried about something? Okay, how many of you have worried about something and nothing ever happened? You know why? Because you worried about it. You know, if you worry about stuff more, less bad things are going to happen. And then bad things happen to you, you know, and you never had a chance to worry about them. Yeah. If you'd only known in advance, you could have worried about it, and it would have never happened. You know, it's so, it's so you know, worrying. Jesus says, by being anxious, can you add a single hour to your life? Um, my, uh, our, our oldest son, Matt, uh, our youngest son, Matt, I, I, I talked about him a couple weeks ago, talked about how he got engaged and, and uh, how, you know, he's been laissez-faire his whole life, and there's never any drama with him and, except the fact that he just lets, you know, he lets things go. Uh, you know, to, to the point of making people like myself crazy. So, he's, you know, his, his philosophy of life has always been, Dad, it's no big deal. Dad, it's no big deal. And, and so uh, we have these opposite personalities. And uh, he's our youngest son. He's 10 years younger than our oldest son. And uh, when he was in high school, you know, you know, kids get older. They get more independent. And we, we just... Uh, our relationship was really, it was disintegrating. And so I called my friend Al. We had breakfast together. I said, Al, i got to talk to you about my situation with Matt. And Al reached across the table, put his hand on my chest. What do you think he said? Let it go. You're going to have to let this go. Listen, the more pressure you put on Matt, the more he is going to, the more he, it's, he's going to become estranged. Estranged. The more he's going to, uh, he's going to, he's going to move away from you. The more you push your way into his life, the more you try to fix him. He's got that kind of personality. He's got to find himself, and you you have to take take the pressure off his life. And again, I knew this was something that I had I had to let it go, and so. You know, I, I don't know why, and there are lots of things I haven't been able to let, let go. But with my son, Matt, I mean, he's, he's 31 years old. He's married now. He's got two kids. And, you know, there are still things. It just I want to just tell him on the phone, Matt, you know. And, uh, but I just take a deep breath, and it's between, I let it go, and you have to trust God. And so what happens? I let it go, and so Matt marries a woman who's more anal than I am. Okay, and you know, she is on, everything for her is a big deal, everything. So he marries into the same problem. He, he, tra- he trades in a father for a wife. 
And then he joins the, he joins the Navy, where every little, how many of you guys have served in the military, where every little thing is a big deal? And he said, I got the, I don't have to work on him anymore. I got Kate working on him, and I got the United States Navy working on him. All right. So, you know, when you let it go, the message is, it's in God's hands. God has a way of dealing with things. And, you know, even if God doesn't, you still have to let it go. It's not a magic trick to make your life better. Now, I want to wrap this up by talking about something that nobody hardly ever talks about here, and that's keeping the Sabbath. Uh, The Sabbath was originally designed as a weekly discipline to remind God's people that he was in control of all their work, that they had to trust him, not, uh, not their own efforts, to grow crops, to raise livestock, to make money, even to relate properly to their families. It wasn't just about resting, taking a day off in a busy, stressful week. It was about reminding yourself that everything in your life was in the hands of God, even your spiritual life and salvation. And this is the next slide. You can pop it up. The Sabbath was to be a weekly discipline of letting go of your own efforts and instead trusting God. The purpose of the Sabbath can be seen in the sequence of the Ten Commandments. You've got Ten Commandments. The first three commandments are about God. Thou shalt have no other gods. Thou shalt, um, uh, thou shalt uh, make no idols. And, and thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And then thou shalt honor the Sabbath to keep it holy. And then there are all these other commandments about family. Honor your father and your mother. Don't steal. You know, don't covet. About family, about relationships, and about your stuff. And the Sabbath, you see, is a bridge from God resting, trusting God, and bringing God into all these other areas of your life. That's what the Sabbath is about. And uh, we read about the Sabbath, Exodus chapter 31. Then the Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites, you must observe my Sabbaths. This will be a sign between me and you for generations to come so that you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy and then in the next, if we drop down to verse 14, uh, read verses 14 and 15 here. Observe the Sabbath because it is holy to you. Did we get it up there? Uh, observe, you must, this will be, a, so observe the Sabbath because it is holy to you. Anyone who desecrates it will be put, must be put to death. For whoever does any work on that day must be cut off from his people for six days. Work is to be done, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath of rest holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day must be put to death. In other words, you got to stop doing your stuff. you got to let go and trust God. And uh, here's my simple adaption of this. Okay, this is what this means. Pop up that next slide. If you don't let it go and trust God... It'll just kill you. How many of you found that's actually true? You know, it affects your health. You know, stress and anxiety and emotional uh, trouble actually affects our health. Say that nine out of ten visits to a family doctor involves some ailment that is related to your psychology. It'll just kill you. And you know something? The less you let something go, the more miserable you'll make people around you. The person that you won't let go, the situation you won't let go, because you've got to tell all your friends you want them to suffer with you. So you drag them into this pain. We do that all the time. And this is the Sabbath. Look look at this next verse. The Israelites are to observe the Sabbath 
celebrating it for the generations to come as a what? A lasting covenant. Fill in the blank there. The Sabbath is what? A lasting covenant. It's not just about not working on Sunday. Uh, It is about Jesus who says to us, come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. See? Jesus becomes our Sabbath, where we really, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So we need to live the Sabbath by embracing the moment-by-moment sacred discipline of letting go. And look at the last slide here. Say it with me. Let it go. Let's stand together. Would you say this after me? I'd love to have people follow me in prayer and just engage in the message. Say this after me. Heavenly Father, forgive me. There's so much stuff in my life. So much stuff crowds you out of my life. I hang on to things. My stuff, my possessions, my pain, my unforgiveness, my uh, my problem family. (laughs) Lord, we're coming to you today. I'm coming to you today to turn it all over to you, to come to you for peace and for rest. The peace of God, that's what I want. That passes all understanding. Lord Jesus, I let it go. I'm trusting you. Amen.